0: Welcome back to Minds Matter, everyone. Um, I'm Ava here in the studio as usual, and we've got Beth coming in from down under. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, so today we are doing a topic that I think we're actually both really excited about, um, yep. which is curiosity So we're going to start out with a little question with a way that curiosity is actually investigated in the lab sometimes. We're going to give you a little trivia question and see how you feel about it. So (laughs) um, the trivia question that we have is, which book is most often stolen from public libraries? So think about it for a second. See how it makes you feel. Maybe some people who are listening feel like they need to know the answer right they, away. they got to know. <laughs> and maybe you've already pulled out your phone and you already know the answer. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. We're going to tell you at the end. <laughs> Stay tuned. Um, so I think something interesting about this type of question is that there's sort of this idea that you could – see curiosity as a trait. So like we said, maybe some of you were like, I need to know. So you pulled out your phone and you wanted to actually see the answer right away. And some people are just kind of more naturally curious than others. But with something like trivia question, um, it also brings out the idea that curiosity is a state. So specifically, it's an intrinsic motivator or a kind of drive that pushes us to then seek out information. So it's something that is pushing us to do something. So curiosity in this case is almost like a cognitive itch that you want to scratch. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And also, if you think that you might know the answer, you're probably going to be more curious to actually know the answer. Um, And this comes from an idea of curiosity being provoked itself by a kind of perceived information gap. So that's a conception of curiosity that comes from George Lewinstein, who's at Carnegie Mellon. And so the idea is that if you know a little bit of information, you're going to really want to close that gap so that you can get rid of that uncertainty. Um, And as we said, this type of curiosity has been studied in the lab. So specifically looking at trivia questions. Um, And there was a really cool study done at UC Davis where
1: they gave people like 120 trivia questions. Um, They didn't give them the answers, just the questions. And they said, okay, rate how interesting you find these. Um, so like for the example with the one Ava just gave, some of you may have found that interesting. Others of you may have been like, <laughs> I couldn't care less. <laughs> um, and then for each participant, they selected the top 50 questions that they found really interesting and the top 50 questions that they couldn't <laughs> care less about. So as Ava was mentioning before, um, this was, this, is di- this was different for different people because different people were curious about different things. And then what they did was um, they put people in the fMRI and they, um, they had the question. So they would see the question. And then before seeing the answer, they would show a picture of a face. So they did this with all 100 questions. And it turned out that the faces that were shown in between the questions that um, the participant found interesting, they remembered those faces far better than the, when it was done before the question they didn't found, find interesting. So because this was done um, in an MRI, they could see what was going on in the brain. And when the participants saw that thing, they found interesting, like a lot of stuff was going on in the brain. So there was like a dopamine release, so they were getting, you know, a good feeling from that. And there was also a um, increase in the hippocampus and we've spoken about a lot in the podcast that's the the memory part of the brain so when someone's curious about something even before finding the answer um, all our memory systems within the brain activated Um, so that's one yeah so curious um, people who are curious about things will better remember.
0: Yeah, I think what's really interesting about that is that it's it's not just that they remembered the answers to the things that they were curious about. Yeah, it was like this yeah. irrelevant face. So it's like yeah. really this idea that these these regions in the brain that Beth mentioned that, that create dopamine or that uh, respond to dopamine um, that are part of the reward system, that these regions are kind of like prepping the memory systems because they did yeah. find, I think, that the – the connection between those reward systems and the um, hippocampus, which is that memory area that Beth mentioned, that those connections were stronger. So it's kind of like those those reward systems are like warming up the memory system to be like, this stuff is important. So that kind of creates, as one researcher put it, um, Gruber, who actually did this paper, like a kind of vortex that like sucks in all this stuff um, that's not even necessarily relevant to what you were curious about. And so I think that's that's super cool that if your your curiosity is is kind of awakened, that doesn't matter what you're being told, but you're gonna remember it.
1: And just a quick note on oh well, why would we have this? Um, we don't have to go into detail, but just there's a lot of people like who explain it. Like obviously through evolution, we needed to learn things to get to where we are, so we had to be curious, we had to want to seek out information, and we had to remember this information. So that's like one of the main theories about why, you know, all of these, um, all of this happens in the brain when we are curious about something, which, you know, totally makes sense. And I think, you know, we can, we can understand that.
0: Yeah, there's, there's actually a cool study. um, Well, it's kind of sad actually, as most studies with rats (laughs) are, but looking at um, dopamine and when, when this was a rat study and when the dopamine regions were kind of cut off from, from the rat brain. Or when they were lesioned yeah. um rats just like they just stopped seeking things out so they just like they would just die because they wouldn't look for <gasps> food um, oh that's awful so yeah <laughs> but there that is like exactly what you're saying in the sense of um we really need curiosity and which which seems to be underlaid by by this dopamine system to explore the environment and if we don't have that then we're just we don't we don't want anything because this is the so-called yeah. wanting system that's part of the reward system um and they found that like if they just put food in the rat's mouth they would eat it yeah. but they just weren't motivated at all to like seek anything out so they were just like wow. ready to die so they just did so
1: what was it just a section of the brain that produced dopamine or was it certain
0: yeah, I honestly, you know, that's a good question, and this is, <laughs> this is on me for not remembering the details of the study. I honestly don't remember if it was that they that they maybe cut off, like, certain receptors, so there was just, like, no dopamine, yeah. or if they, like, got rid of all the dopamine, which I don't know how they would do that, to be honest. They no could biology. have maybe
1: given them, like, a dopamine blocker. I don't know. I'm thinking that.
0: Yeah, yeah. or I'm not sure if they cut off the reward system kind of areas. Um, yeah. That's a good question. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and another animal study.
1: This one isn't as sad, um, but also interesting because um, it involves rewards. So monkeys had to they had to pick between these two pictures, and one picture had more information than the other picture, and the um, informative picture had a hint about what reward they would get. And they could either get a small reward or a large reward, and um, the reward is actually water because it's monkeys aren't like they don't like love treats or anything. Um, I didn't think you they like loved water, but I guess I don't know. We don't want to know why these monkeys really needed water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So regardless, so basically, if you if they picked the informative or non-informative picture, whichever they picked. Um, it, they would equally get whichever reward, so they could pick the informative picture and get the small reward. They could pick the non-informative picture and get the small reward. Um, so regardless of that, so there was no connection. They would always pick the informative picture over the um, non-informative picture. I think one monkey did it 100% of the time, even if there was, you know, a chance that they could get more water with the more water with the non-informative picture and what they saw again was um, they when they saw the informative picture they had the dopamine neurons fire and this can't be explained by the reward because they had the same level of dopamine firing regardless of the reward. Um, So I think that's interesting because I would also think that yeah we're curious because we need more information but I would always think that that a reward would be more like that. That's what we would go to first above like information. Um, but yeah, this study, I mean, yes, it was in monkeys and, and th- things like that, but it does, I think it's like an, an interesting thing to think about.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if they've done this study in humans, but I think they have done similar things. And one of the interesting things that I think was part of this one as well was that it was also a neuroimaging study, because, but it was in yeah. monkeys again. But they do have um, a brain region that we also have that is the orbitofrontal cortex, so it's kind of like right between or like behind your eyes. Um, and this is part of the reward system, and it is a part of the brain that kind of encodes different rewards. So as Beth was saying, if there was more water that they knew that they were going to get after having learned um, what, what the pictures were associated with um, over a certain amount of trials, that um, they would know, okay, so I'm probably going to get this type of reward here. So if they got, let's say, like 5 milliliters of water versus 20 milliliters of water, that would be encoded in the orbitofrontal cortex. So the more water there would be, the more activation there is in that region. And they also found that in this orbitofrontal cortex region, there was also an encoding of, information so this kind of information that they were getting was also kind of a distinct reward that then <laughs> in a different region I think partly the nucleus accumbens I'm not sure if that's correct but that's also um one of these reward systems that then all of that gets encoded so it kind of like evens out so the idea right. is that information itself is a reward in itself it's reward. and yeah what I think is really cool about this study the one that Beth is talking about is that like there's there's nothing that you're getting from knowing yeah. what you're gonna, whether you you got um, water or like let's say it's money, yeah. like whether you get money immediately, like you still have the same outcome of getting a certain amount of money or a certain amount of treats or whatever it is, but it's like this temporal extra piece of information that you get immediately is so valuable even to it's, monkeys, yeah. um, that like we really need this information and there's it's it almost feels like yeah as Beth was saying like. You need water to survive. We don't know why these monkeys really needed the water so much. <laughs> but that, you know, these primary rewards like food, sex, and water, you are actually, like, saying, no, I would prefer to have the information over have some information. of this water. That's insane. Yeah. Um, it's, so it, it's like It feels like it's almost like a primary kind of reward. I suppose it's not because of yeah. the definition. By definition, it's not. But, um, yeah, that's a super cool study. Um, and I think it brings us to an interesting kind of like marginal part of curiosity, um, that we wanted to talk about that is curiosity for like death, violence, harm. Um, and this is called morbid curiosity. Um, so morbid from death, obviously, but it's, it usually isn't necessarily death, uh, that's actually looked at in these stimuli. Um, but, the interesting thing I think with this work is that a lot of the research, first of all, there's really not a lot of research on curiosity. So typically in psych studies, it's actually really hard to to kind of manipulate curiosity because right. you're kind of doing the opposite. Like if you bring someone into the, the I was going to say the studio because we're in the studio. If you bring <laughs> someone into the lab, um, you're like, okay, do this, do this task. And they don't really yeah. have a choice. They're being paid like 10 euros or whatever yeah. it is. Um, So you can't really tell what people are interested in. Usually they're not going to be interested in like clicking to see how many dots are moving or something.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um,
0: So in general, curiosity is not studied a lot in psychology. Um, Yeah. But often in like emotion studies and studies of like approaching or avoiding different things, they'll use negative um, stimuli to be like a control for something that you would want to avoid. Yet in real life, you know, this doesn't actually happen. Like, we're really interested in these, like, morbid things. So is that like, like, would an example of morbid
1: curiosity be like, when you see a, um, oh, for example, in New York, there's this app that tells you, like, what all the police are doing, and like, where all the crazy stuff's happening. And like, people love yeah. it. And they like, share a screenshot on Instagram, like, oh, my God, I'm near this, like, horrific incident. Yes. Is it like that? Yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: Yes, exactly. That's exactly what, what morbid <laughs> curiosity is. And like that's like such a perfect example of it being kind of like a mainstream thing, you know, or like if if there's a car crash or if you see a bunch of cops and like sirens and like a body on the ground, you're probably gonna stop and look longer you than you look. would think. Yeah. And it's definitely not something where you're like avoiding looking at it completely. And a lot of people yeah. are really interested in this stuff. Um, you know, people one of one of our mutual friends um she's really addicted to like true crime podcasts and they really freak her out like she doesn't she I, I think she it's like not. gets scared by them but she's addicted and she can't stop listening to yeah. them um and yeah or like fights between couples I love to listen to a good fight in public a couple. <laughs> um does that count as morbid curiosity yeah it's just like negative kind of like negative curiosity for like, negative what? events um, and okay. actually, yeah. one kind of interesting thing about this research, getting to this this idea of, like, fights and stuff, is that in um, the research that has been done on this, so a lot of the research that has been done on this actually is right here at the UFA with, Ooh. yes, um, Dr. Susanna Osterweig. Full disclosure, she's one of my supervisors. Right. <laughs> Conflict so, of interest. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to big her up. Um, but she does this really cool stuff where she, she's she been looking at, um, at morbid curiosity. And um, one of the things that they found when they first were looking at, okay, are people actually interested in these negative things, um, was yeah. that they had people um, kind of read a description of something like, a little girl throwing petals, and then they would choose whether they wanted to see the image or not after having read the description. (laughs) Um, And then they would also show, like, negative descriptions, so um, things like like a leg mutilation with, like, bugs inside it or something. (laughs) Or they would show something like a soldier kicks a civilian in the head, so these, like, socially (laughs) negative things. And they found that um, people were really interested in the socially negative things. So they were really often choosing to see these socially negative things a lot more than the um, than the just like decontextualized mutilations or like gross right. things like poop uh, or something. Yeah. Um, so the idea is that we're really curious about these social issues, which I think speaks to one of the reasons that we might actually – that might explain why we are curious to see these things that we – that we don't like, like, it's not like a nice little trivia question or, like, a neutral thing. (laughs) It's, like, a terrible thing that you're learning about. Um, And the reason is that it kind of prepares us in an eventuality where you could encounter something like that. And okay. um, And Susanna Osterweich she actually did some some neuroimaging studies where she used this Mm -hmm. paradigm. And in these neuroimaging studies, they found that – curiosity for negative things was actually really similar to curiosity for positive things. So like the same thing that Beth was describing in, in the first study that the reward regions are lighting up that um, there's like really this desire to kind of see these things, but they do make this distinction of like, okay, it's not that you are enjoying. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna it. say. So it's like this distinction between like the wanting system and the liking system. So mm-hmm. it's not saying that we like to see these terrible things. But the idea is that there is such a high information value, which is what we were just talking about with this, yeah. this kind of rat study, um, that that information, because it's so negative and because the information is more rare, because it's really rare that you're right. going to encounter these crazy okay. negative things, yeah. that that makes the information all that more, much more valuable. And because of that, you're like really interested in it. You're really curious about it.
1: Is this like a survival thing? So we want to see these like super negative things. So when we do encounter them, it's not the first time. So we have a better chance of like surviving that situation.
0: Yeah, that's definitely one of the the reasons that has been kind of named for why we would be interested in these things is like preparedness. And actually, a study came out um, a few months ago that looked at people who liked horror movies who like watched a lot yeah, of horror movies I hate horror movies I can't watch them yeah I don't I honestly don't like them either but this study found that people yeah. who watched a lot of horror movies and especially who watched like these like so-called prepper movies so like zombie apocalypse movies things like that that right. they were doing better during the pandemic oh no <laughs> so yeah because so <laughs> So they had them, they had people who were like horror movie fans respond to different questions like, um, during the pandemic, I've been more depressed than usual, or, um, I haven't been sleeping well and things like that. Um, and they found that people who were watching these movies, who liked these movies, that they were doing way better than people who didn't. They were more used
1: to the situation. Oh my God. And they felt
0: prepared as well. So it's like these two elements of resilience and preparedness. So things like, um... I was mentally prepared for a pandemic. I knew which items I should buy um, or like things uh, like I never could have imagined that there would be a viral outbreak with consequences like this. They were like, no, I knew it was coming.
1: I knew I was ready.
0: Yeah. So, um, so there are some like obviously issues with the study. One thing is that they actually collected the data like in April of last year. So right at the beginning. So as Uh, to whether these people doing now, yeah, as to whether they're still okay we're not yeah. sure um but definitely for me I feel like I was not doing well personally in like I was April. not doing well so you know I think that might say something who knows if if this if this lasted for them um and the other thing is maybe that we this should is... start
1: watching those like global warming end of days movies just
0: <laughs> I mean I yeah I, I watched and this is a digression but I watched that that Netflix movie about um how like fishing is terrible for everything. Did you watch it? Oh, that? I have. I've heard about this. I haven't watched it, but I've heard about yeah, it. Yeah, it's really painful. But that's also not a horror movie. That's just like factual. <laughs>
1: that's facts. That's life facts.
0: That's yeah. the reality we live in. But I suppose that also is morbid curiosity because you're, you're, but that's, that's an interesting thing actually that like, I feel like people, actually it's an interesting thing, but I think it's something that is, is kind of, um, really works in the context of morbid curiosity is that people are curious for these negative things also because it kind of gives you this rush. It gives you this preparedness and this rush of dopamine, of, like, excitement, and you're being scared, but it's in a safe environment, and that's, like, the key to right. it is that you're still yeah. safe. Um, yeah. And I think maybe that's also why people would rather watch a horror movie than, like, a documentary that's just as terrible because if you're yeah. watching a horror movie, you're like, oh, it's not real, it's, it's fine. Fair. Yeah,
1: it's all like, um, hey, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I guess that kind of explains why people would be more interested in horror than than these terrible documentaries. Um, okay. But yeah, so there's this idea that also that negative kind of things that you might feel like provoke fear, that those mm-hmm. can also sort of prime your brain for curiosity because physiologically yeah. when you are like, oh, this is scary, you do also get that rush of dopamine. And as we've talked about, yeah. dopamine is something that like also is involved in curiosity and that prepares um kind of prepares your brain to like remember things and you also want to remember things when you're when you're scared because you want to make sure yeah. that if they are you do have a real threat that you're not getting into that situation again. Um, so there's yeah. also this idea that curiosity and or morbid curiosity and fear like they're kind of you know tied together and that's why we might also be more um, curious about these things. Um, yeah, so this idea Hi. that it can make us stronger and, that yeah I think it's cool because it also illustrates the fact that we're so social because we're more likely to choose these yeah. socially so negative images amazing. I wonder if like people who have traumatic events like
1: see accidents or something like yeah if there is a difference to your response to that if you have seen more of those I don't know like I guess because there's also just becoming a like you know paramedics just become like well, you know, they still go through a lot of trauma, but it's it's different. Um, but yeah. I wonder if, like, I don't know, if, like, soldiers who go to war, if they've been exposed to more of that kind of imagery or something beforehand, if they're more prepared. Like, if that really prepares you for those – like, can this really prepare you for those real-life traumas? I don't know.
0: I think there's there's also kind of an idea that you are able to – sort of better engage with things in the future if something does happen. Because if you are, like, so let's say you're, like, someone that you love dies. If you've thought a lot about death and and you've exposed yourself to it, that it's not that, like, the person that you love dying isn't going to be sad and you're not going to have to grieve, but it's, like, yeah. you'll have more of an understanding and an acceptance of the fact that it happened. Of what that made. And, yeah. yeah, and around, like, you won't be, like, oh, my God, what is life? Like, like we're all, yeah, yeah, you know, you yeah. we're all on a tiny blue dot floating through space, like, you know, if you've already you kind that. of gone through it. Um, yeah. And then one thing that also is interesting about it is that um, people also engage in, like, negative or, Engaging with negative content because it creates meaning for them. So there was one study which was not necessarily about curiosity, but they had people watch a sad movie. So I had them watch Atonement, mm-hmm. um, which I actually haven't seen. You before. haven't seen? It's
1: really really sad. The book it's like is one on of those. List. It stayed with me that movie.
0: Have you read the book? No, I haven't. It's on my. I have it in my little my little digital library. I'm gonna read. <laughs> but <laughs> okay, sad? apparently it's sad. So they had them watch this movie. And then they saw that it made people think about their own relationships and that when people were more sad, that this led to actually greater enjoyment of the film. And this was mediated, so this was kind of like the relationship was kind of controlled by how much they were thinking about themselves in the situations or how much they were thinking about their own relationships um, Mm -hmm. beyond the characters in the film. So it's like we're kind of...
1: people were sad So, hang on, people were more affected by the film if they were thinking about their relationship, not themselves.
0: So it was, like, if you were sad and, like, the sadder you felt. Like, general life sad. The sadder you felt about the film, like, the sadder the film made you feel. um, And also, like, if you were thinking about yourself And thinking about your own relationships and kind of like taking what the film was showing you and applying it to your own life. So kind of creating that meaning that then you were enjoying the film more and that this also Uh led people to feel more gratitude for their own lives, um, which I think is also kind of some downward comparison, which is when you see people doing badly, you're like, oh, I'm good. And you feel better because of that. (laughs) At least I'm not. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, so there might also be an element of that in morbid curiosity as well. It's a, it's a very like open field of inquiry, I think, which is really cool. Um, and also another thing that is interesting about morbid curiosity and that might lead people to want to engage in this is something that we talked (laughs) about last week, which is empathy. So like we talked about, empathy can sometimes be really difficult, but like, Again, as we talked about, if you value it as a characteristic that you have or it's something important to you, which we recommended that you do last time, <laughs> um, then you might want to engage with negative content, specifically like negative social content because it gives you practice doing this. And yeah. also in yeah. general, like you need to be able to understand other people in our world and take yeah. other people's perspectives Um So this, like, socially negative content actually gives you really good training because it can kind of, like, enhance your ability to predict what other people are thinking and it kind of makes you, like, a better world navigator. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, there's tons of reasons to be interested in weird stuff, so, or negative stuff. (laughs) So I'm just saying, like, if you find yourself listening to true crime (laughs) or you find yourself, like, watching videos of, like, car crashes, okay, I don't know how far it goes. Maybe maybe there's (laughs) a limit. (laughs) Maybe there's a limit, but... It makes sense. There's reasons that you would you might wanna do this. Um, but yeah. the research um is still well up. on what
1: curious people are, are better at, I read a whole lot of things that curious people are better at.
0: Um so now we're going to so, like to like trait curiosity. So we kind of talked at the beginning yeah. how there's like state and trait. So there's like things that you might just in the moment be curious about and then there's also people who are generally more curious, which is what Beth is gonna talk
1: yeah, about. Yeah, and that's um you can measure that there's like a, a one of these curiosity questionnaires you can do that's like standard within psychology labs where you answer you know 20 questions and they can rate how um curious
0: you are we can so we can link this it if people want to yeah, measure themselves yeah you go. yeah <laughs> although we might make so, you depressed if you're not curious with what yeah. that is about to say <laughs> So these are studies done at
1: George Mason University, so that's a university in the US. Um, and one of these um, ones, what they did is that uh, researchers uh, were in, was talking to participants and um, they asked them a series of personal questions. So the questions started off um, like not personal at all, like, oh, if you would invite anyone to dinner, why, who and why would that be? And then it ended with, um, when did you last cry in front of someone and like explain why. So they were asked these series of questions and they got more and more um, personal. And this wasn't carried out in like a, you know, lab coat setting. It was kind of trying to feel like an informal discussion. And so the participants filled out all of these like things and they could rank how curious the participants were. And then the researchers also filled out all these um, questionnaires about their conversation with the participants. And they found that um, researchers felt more attracted to and closer to people who were more curious. And um, curious people also um, predicted how well-liked they would be better than the non-curious people. So the curious people could tell from the researchers, like, yeah, they they liked me. I could tell. Hmm. Um, And I think this isn't so surprising because when you have a conversation – if someone's curious and they ask questions and give up, you know, share information, automatically we feel, you know, liked, interested in that person. Like, I think that that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess sometimes aloof people are cool, but <laughs> in general, I think it makes sense why um, we would feel closer to people who were more curious in that setting. But what was you, it? What do you reckon?
0: Was it that um that curious people were better at being able to tell how much the person they were speaking to liked them or they were better in yeah. general, oh so they they just they be knowing yeah they,
1: they, they <laughs> that's
0: so interesting yeah, um,
1: so this is like and then people who had high curiosity, had a high intimacy scores in these um. You know from the researcher so this this whole thing suggested that curiosity is something that we have to also aid like social closeness which is kind of not that is kind of similar to what you were describing about why we have morbid curiosity like it's it's a social a social thing
0: yeah so yeah. so curious people were were more well liked and they knew it yes yeah, so <laughs> I don't
1: know if that makes them
0: I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's just interesting. Were the, Do you know if the the people who weren't curious if if there was like a difference on average in how much the curious people thought that they would be liked and how much the non curious people thought that they would be oh, liked?
1: I see if like the non curious people thought, oh, I'm really well liked, and I'm not. Yeah, I didn't read that, but that is a good question. And yeah, I should definitely <laughs> look. That we'll up link it. Everything
0: will be in the show notes. We'll we'll link it. You have to do the work um, for us. that's really interesting um
1: and then this same group studied that um curious people are less aggressive and so the reason they say this is is because curiosity motivates people to be open and receptive to incoming information and seek out new experiences so they're not going to like aggression closes things off for you like aggression never gives you more like Uh, that's not doing that so even if curious people are in a comfortable uncomfortable situation or any of those things they won't react aggressively because they know that will stop giving them information Mm. and they did actually study this they didn't just (laughs) say this um so there's a pretty um so that's they did a few things so they did one thing where they um had people just like respond, like it was two weeks and they reported every day how, how they were feeling. So I don't know, these studies, these reporting studies I think serve some purpose, but it's always a bit like, well, how, you know, this is just like people self-reporting for two weeks. But they did find that um, participants, so they asked them like all these different personality traits and then like, oh, on this day, did you feel like provoked feelings of hurt and like these kind of things. And they found that um, people who were more curious, when they felt hurt, they responded less aggressively than Mm. people who weren't curious. And what they found in this this study was if a person had something like openness or another personality trait like this, this didn't correspond to how aggressive they would respond. Because you could argue, okay, well, yeah, the people who were less aggressive or more curious but were there other things like openness Mm. and these other traits that people have, but, um, people could be open and aggressive. So it was just the curiosity that responded to, um, people's aggression.
0: That's, I find that so strange (laughs) because (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) No, no. I think it's interesting, but it's just so, I feel like it's counterintuitive in a sense because, because it's like curiosity motivates you to be open. So if you're, it's strange, like how different or how, how separate of constructs like openness and curiosity are, because you'd think that they're so tightly kind of wound together. Um, So this
1: is also interesting because I was looking like, you know, are there genes that make us curious? Like, can we train? So I went with the empathy podcast, we spoke about how empathy is something you can work on. Yeah. Whereas this right curiosity it like they don't have the particular genes like they have a few suggestions but it seems to be something that you either have or you don't so you're either like you have this curiosity or you don't have it and they haven't found ways to make people help people become more curious but definitely with something like openness there's apps and things now that can make you more open so there was one I that we had a talk from a professor, Jonathan Schooler, and he's creating an app where it'll say, okay, today um, make something new for dinner, and you do all these things, and then you become more open, Mm -hmm. and I assumed, curiosity, there would be something similar, like you could do these daily activities to make you more curious, but
0: apparently so far, no. But I guess, I guess it's like, we're not sure whether it's not possible, but at least it doesn't exist yet, or like there's no there's yeah. no final line on it yet. I don't know. To me, I feel like it's to me like intuitively this is not at all science backed, but I feel <laughs> like it doesn't it it doesn't make sense for it to be not possible to train curiosity. At least I feel like when you're young, there are definitely mm-hmm. must be interventions to like um to help people stay curious because like kids are always you know, asking yeah. why and questions and, like, and yeah. I think they've done studies where they've shown that, um, like, little kids ask, like, I forget how many, like, maybe, like, 50 or something why questions yeah. a day, and then it goes down super, super quickly by the time you reach, like, middle school, and by the time you're in high school, people, like, barely ask any curiosity questions, and it's also yeah. because of the way that, like, things work where it's like don't be curious for things that aren't useful to you so I think yeah. that definitely I don't know about training it in adults but I feel like if there was like, some kind of like at least obviously like societal change that people would probably like be more curious and, that it's yeah. just something that yeah, would yeah and with I think you.
1: yeah I think that that is definitely true like in as you grow up you're you know you're not meant to just ask that all the time um and some of the stuff i read they're like yeah there are genes that make people more curious We don't know really not what they are but there's also like developmental things that when you're growing up like can change but it also there hasn't been a lot of research on this a lot of this is just like speculation yeah
0: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and because they haven't found ways yet but that doesn't mean like there's a lot of gaps missing in this in this research um so that doesn't mean it's not not there but there was another this is a wild study and a curiosity aggression study so they got partners like who had been together for different amounts of times and they again rated how curious they were and they played a competitive game and if they won against their partner so Ava had heard of this I'd never heard of this before they could sound blast their opponent so you can like pick you have to sound blast them no matter what, but you can pick like a, what, like different decibels and like the duration. So they measure aggression with someone who does it like really loud and and long blast, and you're a more aggressive person. Um. So again, they found that less curious partners were more aggressive towards their partners, so they would blast them for longer. Um. But they also found that all new relationships, no one was aggressive regardless of their curiosity um, because this is when a relationship is still curious and interesting so you don't fall back on your yeah like um, trait like you're you know curious like how before we were saying like certain people are interested in certain questions, mm-hmm. when you're in that new relationship, regardless of how I don't know innately curious you may be, you're curious in that in that instance. Yeah because it's new. Um, and they were saying like, yeah, in the initial phases of romantic relationships, there's an abundance of novel experiences to share and there's new information, and it's all like exciting and intriguing. Um, so regardless, you're always going to be in a more curious a curious state. So, so you won't blast them. <laughs> yeah, which I- also made me feel sad because I was like, oh, cool. So like obviously when you first meet someone, it's in that, but it's just, you know, you don't want to think that that go- of course it goes away, but, you know, I was like, oh, that's,
0: <laughs> but I, okay, like, so Beth told me about this study before we, before we started recording, and I also think it's crazy, um, <laughs> like, I think it's interesting, um, but I, but I, I, I feel like there must be some kind of, like, third variable of something that, like, curiosity is influencing, and that then, that influences aggression, so it's not, like, a direct right. um, line between curiosity and aggression. <laughs> because with these studies, like, yeah, the 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 fact that curiosity is something that varies with how much people are, like, sound blasting their partners, like, that's that's really interesting. But you would think, okay, it is probably due to, like, the fact that you don't want to be aggressive towards the person that you just started dating because they'll be like, excuse me, and no. that also, also, <laughs> when, maybe when you've been with someone 10 years, you're like, okay, like, screw you, like, yeah. finally, finally, I can, I can, like, get out my 10 years of, like, resentment towards you in this psychology study, thank God, you know, um, whereas, like, but I suppose the fact that the curiosity is varying with it means that there's something there. Um, and I do think, like, the explanation of... um behaving
1: aggressively shuts you out to new information and doesn't like allow you to have new experiences and this self-expansion and all of this stuff. Aggression doesn't lead to that. Mm. So if you were curious um, and you wanted more information, behaving in an aggressive manner wouldn't, that wouldn't be the way to go about that. And I think, yeah, when we think about like, if your drive is for new information, and you're trying to behave in a way to obtain that i think it would make sense that you wouldn't be aggressive
0: yeah but you could also argue that like if someone's really curious they'll be like damn i've never i've never screwed my partner over before by blasting them with a really loud sound like i wonder what's going to happen like this is exciting let's do the really loud sound blast <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's a really interesting link um and I, I I believe I believe the researchers of course um but I wonder if there's yeah I agree that else. maybe there is stuff
1: missing but I don't know I just feel like it kind of does make sense if your goal if your end goal is oh I want I want to know more things like you know and you're gonna behave in a way that allows you to do that and being you know open and these kind of things will get you there rather than, you know, aggression, like, isolates you,
0: you know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think it does Um, make sense that, like, these state – or these, like, trait kind of things, like that a more curious person is just generally less aggressive. Yeah, because they
1: also found that curious people were less affected by rejection, and this was a study that they did in Japan, and it was, like, 500 – people between the age of 20 and 30 like you know all these questionnaires again and then they had to read like hypothetical situations and report how much anxiety or concern they were feeling them Um, and then they would also have to say like how did you feel when you didn't get invited or deny their friend request or whatever and people who were more curious were less hurt in those situations like they still felt that but they were able to like it didn't lead them to be, like, really sad and, and depressed. It, they got over it. Well, not – you know, they were able to move on, you know, quicker. I mean, and the argument, again, there is, like, because, again, like, if you want more information and knowledge, you don't – like, that rejection shouldn't, you know, yeah. hold you. It should You know, it should do, go at it with an open mind.
0: Yeah, I think something also to consider is like not only the fact that these people are curious for more information in the future, but like if you're a curious person, you would think that you would also have more information. So because you've been looking for it. So maybe it means that like curiosity also affects wisdom. So people are wiser if they're curious. Right. So it's like,
1: oh, they didn't respond to my friend request, but like it's in fine. Friends gave a thing. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah, or like if That's if true. you're curious, yeah. you know, maybe you maybe you have you know already. Like it would be interesting to see yeah, like yeah. that that study with the couples if it was like like contrasting like first relationships versus like last relationships or something. <laughs> like not last, it's always your last relationship, I guess. But like like <laughs> been with lots of lots of people because maybe you know the people who had who are more curious, they had you know had more experiences and known like this is not going to end well. I yeah, know this is I, this not going to end well. So it could be something that like, if you're more curious, you have more information. So like you in a way, like don't want more yeah, information. I, like you are like, this yeah. is not going to bring me anything good.
1: This isn't my first rodeo. I am not going to sound blast him. Yeah, this. exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think, yeah, true. like with all of this stuff that we've been talking about, a lot of the research is so new. Um, yeah. But
1: it's, it, it's, Super interesting.
0: Yeah, there's there's so much there. Um and yeah, it's it's I think it's a really exciting avenue for like if anyone is like interested in like psych in general. I think it's a cool yeah. thing to get into because there's yeah, there's so much there. And there's also like what Beth has been saying with this idea of um people not really being able to change or that we don't know yet whether people can change how curious they generally are. But a lot of education research um, and educators, I think, know this kind of intuitively that you want to, like, stimulate people's curiosity right. um, yeah. and kids' curiosity because of all the things that we've said. So, like, the fact that, you know, yeah. if if someone is already interested, then they'll be more likely to remember the stuff around yeah. what they're interested in. Um, also, it, the more interested you are, the more,
1: yeah, it's like... A, um. So I'm doing hand motions, but you guys can't see. What's it like? A, I don't know what, but like, like when it just keeps going, cycle? like, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the the more, you know, the more you want to know, the more open you are. So the more you, you know, it's like,
0: yeah, oh, good. Yeah. And um, yeah, like, like we were saying about what curiosity is this idea of like the information gap and like the more, you know, about something, the more like Beth said, you want to know, there's also this this thing that my dad used to say when I was little that I thought was really smart. That was like <laughs> that like knowledge is like a sphere, so like yeah. um, the knowledge that you have is like the ball, but then what you don't know is like the outside surface of it. So the bigger the ball gets, the bigger the surface of stuff you don't know gets. Uh, so yeah, that's cool. So this idea that like curiosity and interest like begets curiosity and interest. Yeah. So you'd yeah. think that if someone maybe was able to kind of start people on getting start people getting more start getting people curious, my Lord, that then you would be able to it would be kind of this like virtuous cycle where it just keeps going like a snowball effect. Yeah. Um. But I guess we don't really know how to do that yet. Um, no, but I yeah,
1: I when I first read all this, I felt initially like oh no like you're curious and not aggressive and you know all these things but then after speaking to Ava I feel a bit like no wait <laughs> like we aren't divided with like less the curious, curious and aggressive than not. People yeah are. you know like it's, it, like it's it's you know there can be ways we don't know yet but there probably will be ways that we can we can change that and encourage people
0: yeah, in ten years we'll check back in on the next episode of <laughs> Curiosity Part 2. Um and some people might who have made it this far, you might be thinking, where the hell is the answer to the question? <laughs> and we saved we saved the answer to the trivia question for the end because if you've been paying attention, you'll know that if you were curious, if we spiked your curiosity. You should remember all of this. That yeah, that we've created the vortex. So you know everything that we've said. You should your mind should have been primed for it. Although I think we've probably passed at forty eight minutes. We've probably passed the point at which uh, your your dopamine was on alert. But we'll give you the <laughs> answer anyways. So the answer to which book is most often stolen from public libraries is the Guinness Book of World Records. I also looked it up again and I saw that sometimes it's also the Bible. So I guess oh. we don't really have a great answer. But I think the Guinness Book of World Records thing is interesting because that's just trivia. That's irrelevant stuff. That's, so that's just people looking for knowledge for knowledge's sake, you know what I'm saying? I also thought that very mm. relevant. Yes. Although the Bible, I guess people who are I guess people who are stealing the Bible, they need it. They're like, give yes. me some <laughs> give me some give me some morals. <laughs> um yeah. All right. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. I had a good time learning about it. Yeah. I feel very um, inspired to stay curious. Maybe we yeah, can so find a way to... You can comment your tips on
1: how you stay curious.
0: Yeah, that's nice, actually. Let us know. Or something that you're interested in that, you know, you can you can bring things back to that helps you. I think some something in, in psych generally is, like, if you're trying to learn something, just, like, bring it back to yourself because we're always interested right. in ourselves. So okay. just think about yourself all day. That's that's <laughs> the that's conclusion. All right. Stay curious, minds matter listeners. <laughs>